When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on talk radio. Thank you very much indeed for your company. So much more to talk about in this hour. And delighted to be joined by the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, right now. Good morning to you. Long time no speak. Good, good morning. How are you? Very well. We've missed you, Matt. I know. I know. I've been very busy working on <laughs> uh, on testing and vaccines and, uh, and and trying to make progress against this awful disease. Well, it looks like we have got some progress. This amazing announcement yeah. from Pfizer and BioNTech yesterday. Uh, yeah. Britain has already bought, we, you heard you bought lots of millions of doses of lots of different vaccines, but 40 million 40, doses. 40 million of this one, yeah. Okay, enough for 20 million people. Two doses, though, ten, two weeks apart. 10 million could be rolled out before Christmas. Um, how sure are you, given that the Prime Minister yesterday was kind of sort of talking this down a bit, saying we can't rely on this as a solution. How sure are you that life will return to normal in a matter of months? Well, obviously, I I want life to return to normal as soon as possible. And this this is a big, significant step forward. But But there's so many more steps, Julia. That's the thing. So the reason that the Prime Minister and I are being cautious is because, you know, we still need to see the safety data. We know that this vaccine that we've got 40 million doses of, we know that it is effective at protecting individuals, but we need to see it safe. Then it's only after you roll it out that you can tell its impact on the transmission of the disease as opposed to protecting an individual, because you can't test that until you roll it out amongst large proportions of the population. So this is a, you know, this is a, that's why we're saying that this is an important and a promising step but there's lots more steps to come. Um, in which case, uh, you know, talk from, say, Professor John Bell, uh, Sir John yeah. Bell of, uh, of Oxford University, talking about life should return to normal by spring, is probably a little bit over-optimistic and rather too hopeful, isn't it? Well, I, I love John, and he's a great man and a great scientist. And, you know, one of the things we've all experienced and learned during this crisis is that, you know, scientists uh, will, uh, uh, you know, they look at the data and they... Uh, and they make their views plain based on the science that they see. And, uh, and uh, I, I enormously value um, their input. Um, it's our job in government to make sure that we are ready to deploy this vaccine should it be licensed and should it be uh, that safety data come off. Uh, but also, critically, and I suppose this is the central point about why we are 
being cautious as well as obviously happy at the news is because we've got to stick with it in the meantime. You know, we, this, the, if this virus rolls out, it takes three weeks between the two doses that you mentioned, then takes another one to two weeks to get the full uh, protection. And we need people to stick with the plan. You know, we've talked many times and you challenged me about the strategy of suppressing the virus, protecting the economy, education and the NHS until a vaccine can make us safe. That is the strategy. And this takes us one big step forwards in the strategy. The strategy is working, but it does require people to keep following those rules in the meantime. OK, and in terms of rolling it out, the logistics of that, it's been lots yeah. of criticism, as you know, of the test and trace per, uh, process. And we're going to talk about that. But but in terms of rolling out of this vaccination and given, of course, uh, this cold chain, the logistics involved there, yeah. it has to be stored at this very low temperature of minus, minus 70. 70 yeah. you know, you know, most GP surgeries just got ordinary fridges, minus 20. They don't they, yeah. they, we simply don't have uh, the, that sort of cold storage. How are we going to roll it out to tens of yeah. millions of people, even in our, you know, our first world country, in yeah. a, even in a matter of months, given those difficulties? Well, it is an enormous and complex challenge. The NHS is more than up, up to it. Uh, the NHS is leading on this with the support of the armed services. Um, and it will be, you know, one of the biggest and most complex operations that we've seen. However, uh, we've been preparing for it for months. And uh, last night, for instance, I wrote to the to GPs uh, to set out their role in this uh, and also to um, to allocate another hundred and fifty million pounds to to primary care to support them. Uh, they have an important role, but there are one of only they're only one of four different models of rollout that we have through the GPs and the community pharmacists is one. Uh, secondly, through the uh, through hospitals themselves. Thirdly, through uh, mass vaccination uh, centres, uh, and fourthly, through taking the vaccine to the most vulnerable people. Because, for instance, people in care homes are very difficult for them to uh, to travel, and so we'll be taking the vaccine to them. So we've got a big program for the rollout, and it is a um, you know it's it's it, it's it's tough. It's a challenge. It's not going to be easy. I won't I, I won't say that. You're talking about the NHS. You're talking about the armed services. Not much talk about so the the, the privatised NHS um, NHS tax and trace system. Are we are we giving up well, now they do on the private consultants? Is, no, no, they do testing and they're doing an amazing job at that. And we're you know the the other thing, ironically, exactly the same day we're rolling out the. The mass testing that we've seen in Liverpool, we're rolling that out to 66 other parts of the country, uh, including some of the areas that have got the highest prevalence of disease. So the, the testing is rapidly expanding with this new technology, the so-called lateral flow test, which means basically, a, you know, it's a stick test that takes 15 minutes instead of having to send it off to a lab. Okay. We've invested in that and that is that that um that investment in technology is, is is coming through. Just half an hour ago, we were talking to Professor Alison Pollock, who's a professor of public health at Newcastle University. She was on independence age, not been entirely uh, on board with what a lot of the government has been doing. She was querying the mass testing programme in Liverpool and planned to go elsewhere about what the purpose of it was and says that it hasn't gone through the sort of the, 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 the ethics uh, questions that would normally be expected to be answered. Um, what is the exact purpose of the mass testing programme? The purpose is to find people who have the disease so that they isolate so that we break the chains of transmission. 
Uh, it's a model that's worked in, uh, in other countries. Um, it's a model that we, uh, uh, we, we've clearly been using in some of the high outbreak areas. Um, and, uh, you know, it's another example. Scientists will, uh, uh, will challenge, but ultimately, you know, it, it, we've got to make the judgments about what needs okay. to be done. Um, let's talk about the infection rates. So infection rates are falling right now in England, Wales and Scotland. They were certainly falling in England, even in places like Liverpool, hotspots in the northwest, even before we had the announcement about the lockdown. There's been some talk in the last couple of days that the Prime Minister feels he was bounced into the lockdown uh, by, with, with data that was out of date, this, this, this nonsense 4,000 a day death uh, scenario and the like, um, because there was the leak on the Friday night, Saturday morning about the lockdown. Your one of the people you and your staff accused of, of possibly being behind that leak. You obviously have denied that. But um, was the Prime Minister bounced into the lockdown or was it always going to happen? It was just going to be announced a couple of days later. Uh, that's right. And, um, you know, the, the, the fact is that the pressure on the NHS is still growing. It's another reason why we need to, uh, everybody needs to keep their resolve in, in uh, this great national effort um, the um uh, the the number of hospitalizations continues to grow on the latest data available last wednesday it was the highest number of hospital admissions uh, since the first peak so we we do need to put these measures in place to keep people safe and, and it fits with the strategic goal of suppressing the virus until a vaccine can make us safe, and we've seen some progress on that. Uh, official NHS data showed, uh, I believe, yes, the hospitalisations were at the same level they were 12 days earlier. And, of course, we don't have any excess. Uh, we spoke to Professor Tim Spector of King's College, head of the, uh, the ZOE uh, uh, app, uh, app uh, survey, that uh, we don't have any excess deaths at the current time. We, we're in a pandemic. And yet, is this really the second wave, so-called? Is this really as drastic uh, as the first wave, as we're being told well, we, well, a couple of weeks ago, we're being told it could be even worse than the first wave, given that we don't have hospitalizations growing, but certainly in most parts of the country, infection rates are falling even in the hot spots in the northwest of the country, uh, and we do not have any excess deaths right now. A lot of people look at these stats and just say, you know, what second wave? Well, th uh, thankfully, because of the action that we've taken, I do hope that we can ensure that the second wave isn't as big as the first. Infection rates were um, coming down before the lockdown. Infection rates were coming down in Liverpool before Tier three. You see, you see, it's interesting. Um, uh, we publish all of this data, yes. uh, and they they clearly show that in, infection rates were continuing to rise. We the survey mm -hmm. uh, that they... came out from the ONS last Friday, um, and the Office for National Statistics, you know, which is our best uh, survey estimate of what's happening that shows that infections were continuing to rise so yeah i love your optimism but sadly i'm not sadly, giving an we, opinion on it sir I, I'm, matt, matt i'm not giving an opinion on it I'm, I'm i'm looking at the official data released by official bodies department of health public that's health right. england office for national statistics um there seems that's to, right whenever uh, i ask I, whenever i ask a cabinet minister about actual facts put out by the government, um, I then don't get a cabinet minister on my show for another week as a punishment. And I can't quite work no, out I'm why quite... we're not allowed to ask questions about official government data. No, of course you are. And what I was saying was um, I was explaining what's happening in the data, which is that the number of cases um, in the official, um, the official survey, the Office for National Statistics, is continuing to rise. The number of hospitalizations on the last day that information was available last Wednesday was 1,621, which is the highest since the first wave. So 
you know, we did, we need to take this action. And most importantly, people need to abide by it. And the great news is, Judy, that the vast majority of people are uh, doing the right thing, doing what's necessary. Okay. And at the same time, we're able to keep schools open, which right. I'm really pleased about. Absolutely. That's, that's a number one priority. Just finally, which will come first, do you think? Um, the vaccine being rolled out to the whole population or Donald Trump conceding the US election? <laughs> I'm not even going there. I'm not even going there. That's a great question for one of the... Uh, We'd love a great the, answer. One of, one of, yes, I, I can't think of a great answer other than to say I'm not going to answer the question. <laughs> OK, well, answer this question. And we're asking people on Twitter this morning, um, what is the thing you're most looking forward to doing when this pandemic is over, when we've got uh, the vaccine? What is the thing you most look forward to being allowed to do once uh, again? I, uh, Julia, I love parties and I can't wait to go to a proper party. Uh, but, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do between now and then. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Uh, we actually got some good news yesterday from Pfizer and BioNTech, their uh, vaccine for COVID, which they reckon within a couple of weeks they could get a uh, it absolute proof that they got 90% effectivity. Britain's got 40 million doses bought in advance. We've already uh, understood we can. that's enough for 20 million people, two doses two weeks apart. 10 million doses could be rolled out before Christmas. However, the Prime Minister was really sort of talking it down yesterday in his press conference of number 10, talking about how we should, uh, uh, you know, not, not think that this was uh, a, a solution that we could rely on. Um, Tom Slater, as I say, Deputy Editor of Spiked Online, joining me. Um, Tom, um, why do you think the Prime Minister was talking this down so much? Well, I think probably because he's concerned that if um, we took the good news too well, as it were, that people would feel that they could kind of relax a little bit in relation to these restrictions. The government is still very much wedded 
to its lockdown policy. And I think the concern is that if you're too open with the public, basically they're going to overinterpret that information. They're going to get too relaxed. I really think that regardless of you know the disputes we might have with the government over its lockdown policy, I think you just need to treat people honestly, trust them to make the right decisions as you see it, present them with things openly. Yesterday, I think, was an attempt to effectively kind of not necessarily manage expectations, but just to try and do down some good news because they fear how people will take it and how their behaviour will adjust to that. But I think you've just got to take people more seriously with these kinds of things. Yeah, and just asking on Twitter question, what do you most look forward to doing once again, uh, once the pandemic is over? I mean, not getting ahead of ourselves, but, you know, one day, guys. um, uh, what, What is it that you most miss and what would you like to get back to doing? Live music, I think. Um, I'm quite unusual. Also, I, I really like, this is probably slightly unusual, I really like big crowds. Um, I think actually being kind of like crushed together. Football matches, I'm not even a huge football fan, but I love going to a football match for a similar reason. Anything with lots of people in one place is, um, I think, going to be particularly special after this quite yeah. atomised time that we've gone through. Yeah, isn't it? That's very interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Tom. Well, uh, let's uh, turn our attention to more detail uh, on this uh, COVID vaccine. David Salisbury joins us. He's former Director of Immunisation at the Department of Health. He's now an Associate Fellow of Chatham House's Global Health Programme. Good morning to you, David. Hello, good morning. Um, well, I mean, we, we spoke only a few weeks ago uh, about uh, the, the, the worries about a vaccine not being uh, the silver bullet solution uh, because of uh, concerns over the number of people who take it and, of course, how actually effective it is. How encouraged are you by what Pfizer and BioNTech have had to say about this vaccine? They believe it to be 90% effective. They tested or uh, well, had participants, 43,500 participants, half given a placebo, half given the vaccine, 94 infections in the trial group. Um, does that encourage you that we are talking about a vaccine that really could be a game changer? Oh, I think this is really great news. I mean, the fact that we have got a vaccine that has gone through this efficacy test and shown that it really does protect people, that's a fantastic step forward. And there are other vaccines coming along as well, because no one manufacturer is going to be going to be able to make enough for the whole world. So it's a great first step. They need to demonstrate safety. But so far, there hasn't been anything to cause us anxiety on that front. And there is a critical other question that we need to have an answer to which we won't get immediately, and that's how long will this vaccine protect for? But this is a great step forward. It really is an important move. Um, we the heard Professor Sir John Bell, who's uh, uh, the uh, Regis Professor of Medicine at Oxford University, said, you know, life should return to normal by spring. Can we be that hopeful, given the, the practical, practical difficulties of rolling out, uh, well, manufacturing and rolling out this vaccine to the entire population? Bearing in mind, you know, we, we, we may already got doses ordered, but um, there are an awful lot of other countries that also have doses ordered. I, I think he's way over optimistic. Uh, as you said, we would vaccinate 20 million people with two doses of what is currently going to be available to us. And we don't know how quickly we will get that. And that's not going to stop the virus from circulating. And it will still come into our country from other places. So I wish he was right. But I think he is over optimistic. I think it's going to be vaccine plus for quite a while longer. So we're not going to be seeing life completely back to normal once we're through the winter months. I'd dearly love it to be, but I I just don't think it's going to be that quick. Okay, and that's down to not necessarily the vaccine not working or the vaccine uh, um, having difficulties manufacturing or anything like that. That'll just simply be the practicalities of getting that vaccine two doses, two weeks apart to that many people uh, in that period of time. I think that's the reality. I'd love to be wrong, uh, but I just think it will take a while 
to be able to stop the transmission of this uh, of this virus. Okay, so um, we, with other issues, of course, are that it needs to be stored at very low temperatures, minus seventy degrees centigrade, but you know, normal fridge around minus twenty. The cold chain logistics three words I never thought particularly went together, uh, but now I know do. Um, that is going to create a real problem, isn't it? Because we, 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 we're not, each doctor's surgery, each um, warehouse does, doesn't have necessarily uh, this sort of storage capacity. So how big a, a factor is that going to be? Well, if you had to design a vaccine, you wouldn't design it this way. The last thing you want is a vaccine that requires such a uh, restricted cold chain that nobody has got in place. No distribu- distributor has set up to do this. No general practice has got a fridge that would hold vaccine in this sort of way. The ideal vaccine is one that you can put in your pocket and is heat stable. So this is going to make for logistic problems uh, that will be really difficult to, to get over. We have to find ways of, of getting over the problems, but it's not the way you would really want a vaccine to be uh, designed. And it may well be that the vaccines that come after this one will not require such restricted distribution and will be much easier to use. Now, a lot of the other vaccines are being developed in different ways. Um, does this raise the prospect that it's more likely the other vaccine trials, Imperial College, uh, Oxford University, we know two of the, the forefront, in, in not just in Britain, but across the world, that it makes it more likely that they will work as well? Are they using similar sorts of um, technology or, 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 or processes? There's only one other RNA vaccine uh, that's in development similar to this at this stage. Um, the others are different technologies, and I think one sh- should be quite careful about saying that just because this one works, so will all of the others. I'm very optimistic that many of the others will be uh, safe and will be effective and we will have vaccines that will protect us against this virus. Uh, we just have to really wait. I think we, we do have to follow current restrictions and not think just because there's a vaccine, everything is going to go back to normal tomorrow. But it's a great step forward. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Uh, let's talk uh, about whether we know yet whether we will have a, a Brexit deal uh, in terms of a post-Brexit EU trade deal or oh, the prospect of a US trade deal. Of course, we're told by Joe Biden hinging on us getting an EU trade deal. Well, let's talk about all of that and the vote in the House of Lords last night with Ben Habib, his former Brexit Party MEP and chairman of Brexit Watch and a very successful businessman as well. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Lovely to speak to you. Um, let's talk just first of all about the internal market bill. Um, in the House of Lords last night, Piers delivered two massive defeats to the government in the House of Lords. The crucial one being a 433 to 165 defeat on the internal market bill. Uh, this is uh, basically about breaching the withdrawal agreement and this criticism that it will allow the government effectively to break international law by breaching the deal that was done with the EU. The government basically saying, well, they can just simply overturn this in the House of Commons where they've got a majority. But what do you make of the peers, including the likes of Ken Clark, predictably, but then Brexiteer Michael Howard, former Tory party leader, voting against this government measure? Well, I think it's no surprise. You know, the Lords, uh, as you've already cited, uh, basically remain. But um, it's no surprise either that Brexiteers are turning against it because it's not a good look breaching international law. And the real issue here is the government signing up to the withdrawal agreement, which 
drives the coach and horses through the manifesto pledges that they made. You know, if you go back and you look at page five of the Conservative Party manifesto, it clearly states that the United Kingdom would leave whole, would leave the EU whole, and that no part would be left behind in the European Union Customs Union. And effect, effectively, what the IM bill does is admit that, in fact, Northern Ireland is left behind and that we've got to take fairly uh, drastic local measures to put that right. I am delighted, by the way, that the government has sought to honour its manifesto pledges as best it can, having signed that wretched withdrawal agreement. But it would have been a hell of a lot better if they'd never signed that into law in the first place. Yes, I mean, the Brexit party was was, was always uh, opposed to that. What do you make of Joe Biden, his comments in the past about, uh, about, the, uh, the, uh, the, about Brexit generally, but also about Northern Ireland and the Good Friday Agreement? Um, again, I've, I've never understood how the Remainers got away with the claim that, uh, that the Northern Ireland Good Friday Agreement was actually undermined by a, a vote for Brexit. But um, they've managed to. That, that, that narrative is now fully inside our media. But do you you think that Joe Biden being uh, in the US presidency is going to make all of this much harder and the prospect of a US trade deal much harder? Well, I think so. You know, when asked a few days ago whether he, you know, what he would say to the BBC, he said, oh, well, I tell him I'm Irish. And that kind of indicates to you where Joe Biden stands on the issue. And again, as you said, Julia, I don't think the Americans fully understand the Good Friday Agreement because the internal market bill actually seeks to bring harmony across the island of Ireland and the United Kingdom. It doesn't seek to put a border down the, you know, this famous or infamous border between Northern Ireland and, and exactly. Ireland. It doesn't seek to put any sort of uh, military bases or any of that hard infrastructure that was there during the Troubles. And um, I, I can't see what the fuss is as far as the Irish um, and the Americans are concerned. I can see the EU getting very exercised about the IM bill because it reverses some of the hold that they wish to have on the United Kingdom. And therefore, that is why we must precisely reverse that hold. Now, we are in yet again another crunch week for uh, Brexit uh, EU trade deal talks. I'm amazed, actually. I, I keep saying Brexit. We've done that. We did that at the end of January. Yeah. It was a great party. Um, yeah. uh, this is about a trade deal. We don't normally make this much of a fuss about a trade deal. Um, yeah, of course, it's important. Our biggest trading partners, no doubt at all. But, I mean, it was the 15th of October that Boris Johnson gave us that final deadline. We'd have to have it done by then before that EU summit. That's long past. It's the 10th of November. We're told now another, was it nine crucial days? I mean, we are going to go right down to the wire. Put your money on it and uh, and whether you think we are going to have a trade deal with the EU or not at the end of those nine days. Well, before I answer that, I'll just say that we're not just talking about a trade deal here. We are, in fact, talking about a much bigger arrangement. It's really the future arrangement between the United Kingdom and the EU. And what's at stake is not just trade, but as much as Remainers won't like me saying this, you know, our very sovereignty still remains at risk. So whilst we have Brexited, actually, there's a lot that remains to be done. And my concern with all of this is that if the prime minister was really serious about getting our sovereignty back, he would never have signed the withdrawal agreement. He would have renegotiated the position once he got his majority. And having signed it, he's put the UK in a very weak position. I know the House of Lords is sending the Iron Bill back to the Commons. And, and theoretically, the Commons can force it straight back to the Lords. But actually, the Prime Minister has trouble in the Commons as well. There are a lot of MPs who are against that IM bill. So I think the Prime Minister is really caught between a rock and a hard place at the moment. And extricating himself won't be easy. And I suspect he will do what most politicians do in this circumstance, which is to find the path of least resistance. 
and that would be to do a deal that's quite soft with the EU, and that's not what I would want. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.